Hello and welcome to our Consumer Guide for Normal People, hosted by OneRoof Financial. I'm Caroline Eburn, Partner and Mortgage and Protection Advisor. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, Darren Hopkins of Richstone Park Financial Planning, and he's going to be talking to us today about pensions and investments. Welcome, Darren. Hi, thank you, Caroline. Thank you for the invite. It's um, great to be here on your on your podcast. Um, but yeah, um, obviously, as we talk about pensions um, and investments, I thought um, try and keep it as exciting as possible because obviously <laughs> it's not a, always an exciting subject to people. But um, it'd be great to tell you a bit about pensions. Uh, and then we'll, I guess we'll talk about investments afterwards. That's okay. Perfect. Sounds absolutely great. Fire away. Okay. So most people ask me, um, what is a pension? So um, it's easy for me to describe a pension um, in technical terms, but I thought I'd try and break it down. So often the word pension is quite old fashioned. So it'd be great to look at, look at it as a savings plan ready for when you no longer want to work. Um, so what a pension is, is something that you can, you can place money in uh, every month. Um, or a lump sum, uh, and then it regains tax relief. Now this uh, could be um, either at source and, and saving you tax initially, or in fact, um, more commonly, is it's paid into the pension and you'd get a 20% uplift or, or um, up to 40% uplift or 45%, depending on whether you're a basic um, high rate tax or, or or higher than that. Um, what is it? What's the th- <laughs> <laughs> Can I just ask a question? Yeah. What, what's an uplift? Exactly, yeah. So it's a good question. Um, well, with pensions, you can claim back the tax. So right. the uplift is tax relief. Okay. Um, so that's what we look to sort of um, when we talk about pensions. And then with pension planning, there's different types. So often people forget that um, there's something, um, that your state pension. And people often moan about the state pension. But it, it's, it's a great pension. Um, it builds up from uh, contributions through, through national insurance throughout your working life. Um, and, and currently, at the moment, the, the, the pension is £179.60 per week, uh, which equates to uh, just over £9,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite generous, uh, I think. A lot of people, as I say, will, will moan about that, but um, it, it's better than nothing. It's better than surviving oh, yeah. less. Um, and um, the age that you can get that pension is, is creeping up, but currently it's 67 years old. Um, uh, and certain things um, that I also get asked is, how many years do we need to pay into the pension? Now, to qualify for any state pension, you've got to pay a minimum of 10 years. Uh, but to qualify for the full state pension now is, is, is 35 years um, of, of national insurance payments. So it's, it is a, a good starting uh, point for pension. Uh, something that the, the government also introduced um, over the last few years was something called auto-enrolment. Uh, this is where um, uh, your employer uh, can make contributions well yourself. So with auto-enrolment, if you're, if you're over 22 years old uh, and earning over 10,000, then there's going to be payments made by yourself, um, your employer, and again, tax man uh, or tax relief is, is available on their payments uh, as long as you work in the UK. Already fell asleep. So <laughs> auto-enrolment is purely for employees. So anyone who's a business owner out there or self-employed, they would have to set up their own pension. So Yeah, if, you empl- if you're an employee... Um, and you employ anybody, uh, whether that's one person or a hundred people, you have to have an automatic pension scheme in place. Um, that's that's something that has to be offered uh, to every employee uh, at over 22 up to the state pension age. If they're earning over 10,000, then um, they're automatically uh, including that pension. They can opt out if they wish to, but they have to be opted in, in the first place. 
if they're outside their parameters, um, they can still opt into the pension uh, and certain rules apply whether, whether the employer will pay or, or not have to pay. So if you've got um, a limited company, so husband and wife have a limited company and they're 50% shareholders each but pay themselves through PAYE as well as dividend, do, does that make them an employee and they, would they have to opt themselves out? It, that's, that, there's a grey area there. It depends what their contract is, whether, whether, whether they've got contracts in place. Possibly, yes, they'd have to have. Um, but often uh, what you'll find with an accountant is that they'll, they'll pay under that threshold of 10,000. So they won't automatically qualify um, for workplace pension. Yeah, I think we see a lot of limited company directors where it's under 9,000, don't we? So yeah. that's probably going to be a reason why. Yeah, and, and so, so you've said that if they're under 22 as well, then they can opt themselves in if they're employed. That, that's an option. Yeah. They have to give them, give them the option, but they're not automatically in, in enrolled in that. And it depends on yeah. certain um, parameters is whether the employer will pay as well or not have to pay. Um, but I think the, the, the old, it, it's out there that the sooner you start a pension, um, the better. Because over time, with, with compounded interest and, and market performance, um, it, it will grow and grow and grow. So if you start the pension, there's a, the later you start the pension, the more you've got to put in to get to the level of income you want at retirement. Yeah. So, it is the earlier the earlier is the better to start a pension if it's affordable to you. Yeah, it's not nice to think about, but um, you know, got got a plan for it, haven't we? So <laughs> definitely. So what then happens to the money? So once hmm. you're you've either put a lump sum in or you've been paying monthly over time, what actually happens to our money, and is it like protected in any way? Yeah, it, it, yes, it is protected. Um, but I think uh, to going back from I guess uh, breaking down your question, the, the money's invested. Um, so, from my point of view with pensions, I would look at, uh, I would, I would go through a client and, and discuss attitude to risk, um, and their capacity to loss. So we'd find out what a client felt comfortable investing in, uh, and, and the length of time that they're going to be investing for. Uh, from that point of view, we can then uh, move on to where the money's invested. And within a pension fund, you often find it's, um, it'll be invested in a mixture um, of assets, uh, often UK equities, um, overseas equities. Uh, property, um, gilts, uh, and corporate bonds. And they all have a varying level of risk. Um, you tend to find, as people know, that the more risk you take, the more equities you'll have in, in um, your money in, uh, and the lesser risk you take, the more um, um, gilts and corporate bonds and cash you'll have in your... Um, the, the, I guess the, the point of that is the more risk you take, potentially the, the higher the reward, but obviously we have to be really important uh, and make all our clients know that the, um, with risk, obviously, can uh, with reward, obviously, carries the risk that you could lose a lot more if, if at a higher risk level than, than that. But what you tend to find is, as you get close to retirement, you would you would de-risk um, a client's um, um, pot anyway, um, and, and put them more towards the the corporate bonds and gilts, and less in equities, um, just to make sure that if we do have a stock market crash or, or what happened with COVID, uh, then the client's money is protected um, and, and doesn't all vanish um, overnight. Um, um, which can happen. Yeah. Just a quick question. What are equities? Yeah. Um, so an equity is a share in a company. Right. Okay. So you can uh, basically purchase um, a share in any um, public limited company if, if you wish to. Uh, most popular ones, I, I guess, talk about banks. So you could buy uh, a share in Barclays if you want to. Um, the benefit of buying um, a, a share is that um, you then have um, potentially growth in that share. Uh, and also potential dividend income um, uh, from that share as well. So you can win two ways. Obviously, the risk of that is if you're buying a, a share, it can go down in value. 
uh, and there's no guarantee that you're going to get paid a dividend. So there's always risk involved, which is really important to talk about. But within the sort of uh, collective investments that, that we look at, you'll be purchasing um, shares in, in, in the whole of the market as opposed to a single company to try and um, de-risk your, your money as much as possible. So, yeah, I guess we talked about obviously building a pension pot up, um, but uh, the option then is, is what to do at retirement with your pension pot. And there is a number of uh, choices that uh, you have. And um, uh, the most common option now is whether you, you go into uh, Flexi Access Drawdown. Uh, it gets a real big name, uh, flashy title, but it just means that um, uh, you can take money out of your pension um, as you so wish. With a pension pot, uh, normally 25% is tax-free. Uh, the remaining amount is then taxed at um, the, the, your marginal rate. Uh, so depending on what other income you have, it could be taxed at nothing, or it could be taxed at 20%, 40%, or, or possibly even 45%. Um, so with flexible access drawdown, the money will stay invested. Uh, you then have a choice about the level of income you want to take out. Uh, as a financial advisor, we would advise what level is, is suitable uh, and affordable to the pots to ensure it doesn't run out um, too soon. Um, but uh, it, it basically is up to the, the client how much they want to take out um, if, they, if they wish to. Um, the benefits of that are is uh, you can change the amounts um, as, as things go forward. So you could have uh, more in early retirement when you want to possibly travel or or spend more on certain things when you're still active and um, uh, and able to. Uh, and later on in life, uh, when you do less and you, you possibly spend less and don't want so much income, you can reduce that. Um, and, and likewise, if you need to pay for long-term care late late in life, uh, the pot's there to obviously take more money out to pay pay for long-term care. Um, the other benefits um, of, um, of possibly drawdown is that uh, should you die early uh, or, or whenever you die, uh, the pot um, is then passed to the spouse, um, possibly tax-free. Uh, if, if you if you unfortunately die before the age of 75, uh, then, it, then it would be tax-free. After 75, it's taxed at your, your spouse's uh, marginal rates. So is that all of the pot? So you don't lose any of it? Because mm. um, I know that when I've spoken to people in the past and they've had a pension which pays you every single month, when they die, their spouse only gets like 50% or something like that. So yes. drawdown is unique, is it, in that sense, where you don't lose the pot if you die. It's something that can be inherited. Yeah, it's different. I think I'll come on to um, uh, what, what you mean, but with with um, drawdown, it's got that flexibility. So uh, there's this real uh, misconception that uh, pension money disappears on, on death. Uh, that isn't the case. Um, it, it's always there depending on what option you take. So that potentially is an option. You don't have to do anything uh, with your pension. Part. You could leave it there um, and, and never never draw any money out of it. Uh, and, and there's a benefit because pensions are outside your estate for inheritance tax. But if you are drawing a pension and it's in flexible access drawdown, then, then the money stays within either the family and is dealt with how the will or or, or how um, how the spouse would like that money to be dealt with. So what if you're single? So if you are a single person, don't have any children, okay. does that is that money still safe again and distribute you via your will or the rules of intestacy? So it's still, in effect, like you said, a savings account. Yeah. It's still there as if it's money in a savings account that can be inherited. Yeah, exactly. So it's... You can choose who the money goes to, and um, that is why that's why it's so important to make sure your will is always up to date, uh, and also make sure the pension company knows um, who, who the money should go to. So yeah, it doesn't have to go to um, your spouse; it could have to go to 
it could go to someone outside the family. There's different rules uh, in place regarding that. But the, the main point um, I guess I'm making is it does not disappear uh, upon death. I think what, uh, Caroline, you referred to is the other option, uh, an annuity. Uh, annuities were, were really popular uh, many years ago when, when, rate, when guilt rates were higher. Um, as guilt rates and interest rates fall, then the rate of return that, that are offered on, uh, for annuity makes them um, less attractive. But with annuity, you have a choice um, uh, with some that you might want to say, okay, I'll give, um, on my death, there'll be a 50% um, spouse's benefit, or it could be no spouse's benefit. Um, and there's other choices that you, you can decide to make. And it's, you can tailor it to your circumstances is, is, um, is the key point. But what often happens there is that um, someone may go for the higher income during their life, uh, which is what you'd get if it was just based on um, on their uh, pension holders' um, uh, um, uh, benefits. So what that would mean is in, on death, the pension would die. So what the, what, um, what the um, pension owner's done with that pension pot is basically bought an income for their life. Um, and they've given the money to an insurance company and they've said, okay, we're more than happy to give you that guaranteed income. Um, but on the understanding that when you pass away, we'll stop paying that income. Um, which is where um, you hear people say, well, um, uh, if you die early, then it doesn't work for you. The longer you live, obviously, the more you get out of that pension pot. So there's a risk, um, uh, again, for, for taking So annuity. it's a gamble. How long are you going to live? Exactly. And, and so no, you're and predicting no your own demise. <laughs> yeah, well, potentially, isn't it? And you can always look at death rates and things like that to give you an indication of when you expect to die. But, but as we know, nobody knows. If we knew... We'd spend the last pound just before we, we passed away, but uh, or, or have the things earmarked for uh, for our children. But um, as nobody knows, you've got to take, obviously take the best um, I, I, best. I hate the word gamble, but I suppose it's, you can use that word. The best gamble possible to make sure that you have the best income in retirement, um, but also make sure you don't run out, um, and also make sure you, you don't spend so little that you end up having. Um, hundreds of thousand pounds left uh, upon your death that you could have had a great retirement and and were too too worried that you're going to run out of money so you didn't spend any. Yeah. Um, this is why it's important to I guess with financial advice it's really important to take it because what my role is is to make sure that the client understands how long the money's going to last, what we're going to do with it, uh, and the fact that we will continue to invest it uh, in it in as I mentioned equities or or uh, government bonds or gilts, just to give them uh, the potential to make the money last longer than what it possibly would do if we just put it into cash. Uh, my biggest concern with putting it into cash is, is inflation. Uh, I think we're heading towards higher inflation at the moment. Um, so that's going to eat away the value of the money. We all know that, um, that the price of a pint five years ago was far cheaper than what it is now. Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> and I think it's gone up even more since, since lockdown. Uh, so it's sort of managing that and saying, okay, we know things are going up. Let's make sure your money goes up as well. Yeah. And I suppose what we all need to remember is when we've spent all those years working, our retirement should be a time for us to enjoy ourselves. And yeah. we all need to make sure we're in a good position to carry on enjoying ourselves because we'll never have as much free time as when we're retired. No. And to have enough money for the ability to travel, to go on all these amazing holidays, a world cruise... If you don't start thinking about it now, you, haven't you? yes, <laughs> ticket for one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really important that, and and I think the auto enrolment is going to really help the younger people start sooner yeah. as well. Yeah, um, and I think that's really important. So Definitely. we all should have a lovely retirement. Yeah, it's it's something that if you don't plan for it, as as in anything, it will never happen. 
So what we've gone back from it is is our, our grandparents grand, um, would have had a pension scheme that, that are fantastic. They were better pensions many years ago uh, that has given them very good retirement income. We would now have a generation that possibly didn't save as well as they should have done and will have a more difficult uh, retirement than, than, than what their, their parents had. Um, I think what, as you say, what's almost done is, is try to fill that gap to make sure that it doesn't happen again and, and the next generation has a difficult retirement. You know, if the employee opts out, going back to auto enrolment, so sorry, um, listeners, just something that, that came into my mind. So if the employee opts out, does that mean the employer doesn't pay in either? That's correct, so, yeah. So really, everybody needs to be opted in. Yeah, it, it, the, it, it'd be a strange reason to opt out um, because... If you opt out, you're losing um, tax relief, um, so you're losing payments from the um, HMRC, and you're also losing payments from your employer. So it, it's a it's a win-win situation um, for the employee. So it would be it would be under strange circumstances that you'd opt out. Uh, there is reasons for opting out, um, and, and some clients would need to opt out because they, they possibly could be tax implications if they didn't. But for the majority of people, um, it would be beneficial not to opt out. That's brilliant. Thanks, Darren. That's um, given us some really, really useful information on pensions. Yeah, I think the important thing there is probably speak to the advisor to make sure you get a good balance of savings, but you still got a good balance of life in your retirement, isn't it? You yeah. don't you don't want to be running out, but you, you'd still want to enjoy yourself. So I think that's the importance is finding a balance. I think I think you're right. I think. Um, what I find with clients is they um, they don't know how much they can take from the pension. They don't know what income they're going to have at yeah. retirement. And it's putting something in place that, that we look at. So we look at um, cash flow forecasting uh, and looking at the worst case scenario as well as the, the, the best case scenario to sort of try and look at what would be right for them. What do they need to save? Do they need to save more? Um, are they saving too much? Could they uh, could they save less? And it's, and it's all about making sure that when you do get to retirement, whatever age that is, because some people, we all vary when we want to retire. Some people want to retire early. There are some people that are happy working and enjoy um, what they do and don't want to retire early. So it's sort of managing that expectation and working from the, backwards from there to say, okay, this is what you need to pay into a pension or or you actually, you've got enough in the pension. We just need to manage it correctly yeah. uh, and make it grow. I think it'd be something really difficult to have to try and work out yourself. So I don't know how anybody does it without seeking advice because... There's too many variables and I think knowledge is power and you need somebody, a specialist, to say, this is what will happen if you do this, this and this and then you can make that informed choice. And you can only ever do what's right for you in the here and now. Yeah. Nobody can predict the future. No one knows how long they're going to live or you know, how many holidays they're going to have a year. But I think advice is definitely the key to it all to make sure that you have thought about everything and... Uh, and you know, I know there's other resources, money advice service, but I really honestly think that sitting down with somebody who gets to know you and your circumstances and your family life and what, you know, holidays you like to enjoy. Yeah. It, it's it, just planning. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that, uh, see, the, the, as you know, the way the way we work um, in, in my company is that our first appointment is always um, that there's no charge. It's just an initial um, coffee chat to say, okay, can I help? I'm the right person for you to be speaking to. Uh, what often I find is there's things in, the, in, in existing pensions that, that clients might know about, not know about, um, such as some of them might have uh, enhanced tax-free cash, so they could take more than 25%. Uh, there's op- or they might have a guaranteed income that is 
really attractive. But often I find that the paper is so confusing that, that clients haven't read through that or haven't seen them options. So initially, really, it's just sitting down, having a chat, reading through what they've got and saying, do you know you've got this? Do you know you've got options are here? Uh, and then if the client uh, wants to move forward, they can engage our services and, and, and we can talk them through what the best options would be for their money uh, moving forward. That's brilliant. Thank you, Darren. That's, uh, that's been really, really helpful. Yeah. I think we've all learned a little bit more about pensions today. Yeah, this is just, my least favourite area. <laughs> yeah, it just goes to show how little you know about the area. And, um, you know, hopefully people listening or, or watching will sort of learn a few bits and think, oh, maybe I should have a look into it as well. And you Lucy's know, thinking, sure. I need to start a pension right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Never too young, is it? That's what I'm saying. Never too young to start a pension. Yeah. But you can be too old. You can be too old. I'm guessing you find a lot of people that come to you for pension advice, they have absolutely no idea what they've already got and what you know the circumstances already are yeah. or they've probably got 10 pots each they've said oh i've got 10 pensions from over my career help yeah, me yeah you do yeah. you tend to find probably um uh, you're probably two or three or or, or or probably four at most you tend to find the different pots elsewhere and some of them um are could be sort of leave out there that's a brilliant pension don't move it or amalgamate that pension with this one um, just try and save costs. And, and you're right, people definitely, the, the paperwork is so confusing that people definitely don't know what they've got at times. And it's sometimes just having that conversation to say, do you know this is what you've got? It, it, it's, these are your options. It, it, it's brilliant. And, and you're right, it's, you never, you can start a pension um, at any time. Um, but uh, the, the, as you say, the younger you are, the better it is because there's so much time for it to grow then. And you, you can put um, less into it to get that retirement level you need. Um, what you do find is that. Um, the closer you get to retirement, the more obviously we think about pensions, and then we try and catch up and, and get somewhere and ends up uh, being more. But um, yeah, anyone can have pension advice at any time of their life, and sometimes it's just a initial chat and, and not not much advice is needed. Um, other times there's a lot more complex um, solutions available or, or complex advice required, and, and then we can obviously talk that with the client and make sure they get the right choice. So how easy would it be to collate all your pensions together and move it into one pot? Is it you know, going to be drawn out, take months, years, or is it click of a button, done instantly? It's it, it depends on who the pensions are with. Some What we're finding at the moment is some companies take a long time to come back to us. So we always want to know the ins and outs of a pension before we provide advice of whether it's right to move it or not. Um, so we would, we would ask them questions and wait for that company to come back to us. Sometimes they're fairly quick, uh, sometimes they take an age. But we're probably talking months, definitely not years. Yeah, probably a few months to do that. Uh, once the paper is all back, I can then go through it all and put a, um, a recommendation together for that client and decide where I think should whether I should move it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Whether it should be amalgamated or, or, or whether it should stay where it is. Uh, and then if we are going to move it, where's the best place to put that for the client? Yeah, I think the key thing there is you will then do all the paperwork. Yes. So everything's done. So your team will be on hand and they will manage the whole thing. You literally sign whatever you need to sign and then your staff do the rest. Yeah, exactly. The clients, the client just sort of, we'll go through the paperwork together, make sure it's 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 clear and understandable and, and they know what they're doing. Um, there's a few things to sign and then we, we'll, we'll do the rest uh, and work it through from uh, moving it over to then managing it going forward. Easy peasy. So now let us move on to investments. This is, again, a really, really complicated area with lots of different terminology that 
just bores me to death. I'm sure you feel the same about I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it doesn't <laughs> bore you to death, Caroline. It's, it's like no, well, I think the reason <laughs> most advisors now specialise in their favourite areas is because some things interest some people and not others. So right, okay. investments <laughs> and pensions don't interest me personally. I love mortgages and insurance and all that kind of jazz because I think it's a bit more exciting. Um, but, um, you know, Darren, this is his specialist <laughs> field. So he is our expert on uh, all things investment. So fire away, Darren. Give us some knowledge. Fine, yeah. It's, um, um, I won't say anything about how exciting I find investments then and, and, and uh, go against mortgages. But um, I, I thought today, um, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Caroline, investments is such a wide area. So I think... Uh, I've tried to narrow that down to something that uh, I guess I look at every day uh, and keep it sort of um, uh, more straightforward for um, your, your listeners. And so, so I thought I'd start with the very basic and, and, and then work up different different uh, investments from there. So and quite popular at the moment um, yeah, and, and very safe is things like government um, savings, um, NSNI, uh, as we call it. So um, NSNI, uh, the only company that give you obviously 100% guarantee uh, with your money, and it's because you're giving your money to to the government. But um, one thing that um, that I find that people really like is premium bonds, uh, and it's because there's that chance of winning um, a million pounds. So they do two draws. Um, so we've got uh, two draws a month where you could have a chance of winning a um, million pounds. So you can place up to fifty thousand pounds into premium bonds um, each, uh, and you've also got access to it. So it's not tying your money up. If you don't, the smallest amount you can win is £25. So it's not all about winning the million. So you can win something smaller than that. Um, the flip side is you could win nothing uh, and your money just sits there and, and does nothing. But it's very safe. That's the key. So you don't earn any interest or anything like that. No. You, The only thing you will ever grow your savings yeah. by is winnings. Yeah, so you go into a draw. So you, uh, you could look at it as you're buying tickets with your money uh, and you're going into um, uh, a, a tombola draw where you can obviously... Uh, if you get pulled out, you, you, you win cash. Um, and they either send you money in your bank account or send you a cheque. Uh, and I've lots of clients like to receive the cheques through the post. Uh, it's a nice boost um, each each month, each time there's a draw. Um, but yeah, th- there's a chance of winning there. But the, I guess the major point is it's very safe. It's still in cash. It's just something uh, where you can put your money that's, that's um, safe and different to having it in a bank account. Um, people like to spread the money out because of, of different risks uh, with cash, but... Um, premium bonds seems to be uh, a natural choice uh, for, for for everybody. So there's options there um, if you want to look at that side of things. Um, I tend then, I guess, to move up to um, uh, different sites, different what we would call um, uh, ISAs. So most people know what um, an ISA, individual savings, individual savings account. So most people know what they are now. They've been around for many years, uh, but most people know there's, there's cash ISAs where you can put your money in uh, and it will receive interest on it. Um, but what's happened over the last few years is uh, the rates have fallen. Uh, and now when I talk about cash prices, most people um, look at the rate of interest and uh, aren't too happy with them. So It's like it starts with a naught. Y- yes. Zero point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. And, and I think that that's important. So from that sort of things, I, I now see lots of clients that have got cash that are saying to me, what other options can I look at with this money to make it work harder? And we can look at sort of, we can talk about stocks and shares ISAs. Uh, they seem to be very popular at the moment. There's um, the increase in, in demand. And with that, we look at then going back to what we talked about before, looking at um, a client's attitude to risk, uh, how long they can invest for, uh, and what their capacity to loss is. 
and we would go through and ask a number of questions to, to ascertain that, that level of risk before uh, making a recommendation. Uh, we'd also uh, look at their other assets to make sure they're not tying up too much money and don't have um, uh, cash available should, should uh, an emergency happen where they need some money quickly. Uh, but from then, we'd then look at possibly investing some money uh, into uh, stocks and shares ISA uh, at the level of risk that's, that's right for the client. Uh, and then, uh, again, as we talked, that money would be uh, invested um, into equities, uh, into you know, UK equities, into overseas equities. Uh, it could be potentially property, uh, commercial property, um, gilts and uh, corporate bonds and some still in cash. So a wide, a wide range of different places. Uh, and from that, it's we don't talk about buying individual companies. It would go into collectives. So we'd go into companies that you've probably heard of. Um, some of them you've heard of, some of them you wouldn't have heard of. But then it would, your money would be invested in there to give you... Uh, potential for better return than what cash would do. Um, you can still gain access to it, but often we'd recommend that clients invested for a sort of minimum of five years. Okay. Um, and, and, and so if you did out. need the money from the, your stocks and shares ISA, do you have to like give notice or is there like a number of days you can get it back? Yeah, it, it, I guess it varies from different companies who, who we use, uh, but it takes sort of roughly 10 days to get your money out. Okay. Um, there's no penalties. Um, uh, nowadays, uh, or, or cost to get your money out, but you are disinvesting it from from the market, so uh, that could have an effect on the on the, amount, the amount you get back. And I suppose as well, there's there could be a wrong time to take it out as well. So if the the investments you're in have taken a little fall, but it should only be temporary. If you then need the money at that particular time, it could be a bad decision. You're right. Yeah, it's uh, and that's the thing that I guess uh, my role is again to sort of manage the client's expectations of when to take the money out. Uh, and, a, and a prime example is uh, we, we're talking about COVID or Brexit, uh, where markets dip. Um, often clients might panic and, and, and think it's the wrong. It, it, they want to take the money out, but my job is then to advise them to say, "Look, it, history actually, it's a good time to buy. <laughs> Possibly, yes. <laughs> invest more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Invest more and, and, and make some more. But it's sort of, I guess, all managing the clients' expectations, making sure that um, that they know what's happening with their money. Uh, but no, we would we would look at I think stocks and shares as different types of. Um, ice is available now um, and there's a, a varied choice that you can use to obviously as you have with your clients that can use to buy property um, uh, but the ones that I mainly look at every day is, is the stocks and shares one uh, we can transfer other ices into into stocks and shares uh, and, and invest that money I like how you said the word transfer because um, hmm. the worst thing to do with an ISA is to just withdraw it yourself isn't it and then pay it in exactly so you, there's <laughs> a potential losing your ISA allowances that you exactly. built up so um, we we always recommend that a client takes advice before, before doing anything. And again, just like uh, if we're moving pensions, we would do all the work for the client and transfer it on their behalf to make sure that they kept the ISA, ISA wrapper. Yeah, so uh, you're like, do years. not take this money out yourself. We will do it by a form. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. We would do all that work for the client and don't want to lose that. They're, they're so valuable, um, the, the wrappers, so we obviously don't want a client uh, making any mistakes. Yeah. Um, so before we get to that stage, We'd obviously provide the client with with um, full advice and, um, and a full advice report, so they know what we're recommending, what we'd be doing on their behalf. Um, but yeah, we would um, look to sort of talk about cash, talk about the options for cash, and, and and then if if it's right for the client to to move to the next stage of investing, we'd then give a client details of of what investments are available. Um, obviously through through the recommendation to make sure that uh, they understand what they're doing. But yeah, there's there's definitely potential over time to make more money than what, what cash would do. Definitely. Um, 
And the biggest concern that, again, we have with clients is the fact that inflation is eating, is eroding away their, their money. So I don't think there's a cash account out there at the moment that, um, that would beat inflation. So it then looks at what other options are available uh, and then we move on to investments. Uh, and we would sort of look at, again, talk about risk, but there's a potential there we could either match or beat inflation depending on a client's risk. Um, of course, there's no guarantees of that, um, but um, it is an option that we'd obviously talk through with a client before doing anything. Brilliant. And do you um, have to regularly review? I presume you do. So do, do you offer your clients like an annual review or...? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important that um, as things change, and a prime example of this um, is when uh, when markets change. So if, if if markets start to fall, we might do something different with clients' money to try and sustain the value. Uh, and vice versa, if market starts to rise, then we're looking at so what, what are the options that we can do to maximise um, our, our clients' return. So little things like that we always talk about. But talking about reviews, at least once a year, we'd sit down with a client to, to review to see if there are any changes. We would look at um, what they've got and what's changed in their life. And then that, that will, uh, we may adjust the recommendation because of that. Um, and that's where the, that's where we try and add value to the client's uh, investments over over not taking advice. So there's lots of things that, that we do. Again, we talk about, uh, we, even with investments, we talk about retirement. We talk about how things have changed in their life. Um, do they have a new job? Um, have they had any children or, or um, inheritance or... Uh, anything like that just to sort of making sure that we know our clients um, and we're doing the best for our clients yeah and I think changes in circumstances is such a big thing because mm. something you previously recommended have if they have then changed job and changed tax rate so yes. if they've gone into the next threshold your recommendation might change a little Definitely. so again building that relationship with a client seeing them regularly and them letting you know if anything's changed that's mm. really key um with your financial advisor to make sure that you stay in touch and let them know if anything changes yeah yeah definitely and, and likewise we would contact our clients should we feel that we need to uh, if something happens that we, we think we need to, to speak to our clients then then fine we'll put the phone up or drop an email um it's it's a it's a good relationship we have with clients to make sure that we're always adding that value to their to their money uh, and making sure that their return is increasing uh, or, or sustaining the value um if something happens to the client, I'm confident that they can pick the phone up and, and tell us. And then we can obviously be there to support uh, the client as well if, 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 if the worst should happen. Um, so it is about having that, that, that relationship. So we, we, would, we touch base at least once a year uh, with all our clients, uh, if not more. Um, and yeah, help to build their wealth to make sure that they, they can enjoy retirement or they can enjoy um, a holiday that they're savings for or, or buy that house that they're trying to save for as well. Perfect. That is brilliant. So what are the other types of um, investments that you come across? So, I mean, ISAs is, everyone's probably heard of, of, of ISAs, I'm sure. But there's all kinds. You were mentioning earlier about bonds and stuff like that. So what what, what are they? It's, it, I guess um, for, for, today, for today, I think um, I can run, run over it. But you're it, looking at sort of, um, there could be onshore, offshore bonds, um, general investment accounts, uh, as, as well as ISAs. So, so we need a whole podcast just massive. to cover bonds. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, okay. so many options. Yeah, so maybe yeah. we'll uh, we'll definitely have an episode dedicated to that then. <laughs> definitely, definitely, and, and um, it, it all depends on how much wealth the client's got yeah. as, as things change. But it's sort of, if we're keeping things simple, we always start look at we always look at pensions and ISAs first. ISAs are achievable for most normal people yeah which is you know our audience for this podcast exactly and the other thing we had across is yes you can pay twenty thousand pounds into an ice a year 
but you can also do a regular payment instead. So uh, I have lots of clients that might pay £50 a month into an ISA uh, just to build some um, some money up that they're not using. So uh, rather than sort of scaring all your, your listeners away thinking, well, I've not got 20000 um, you can make a small payment each month uh, within an ISA uh, as well as just doing a lump sum. You could do both um, or, or either. There's the, it's, it's flexible um, yeah. to do that. And I suppose what people also need to think is if they do a detailed plan of exactly what they spend their money on, because uh, Lucy and I, as part of our getting to know our clients, we do an incredibly detailed expenditure form. And I think most people are surprised at how much money they waste on things. Um, and it's it's... When they look at, oh, how much do I spend on birthday and Christmas presents? Actually, if you could find a little bit of budget somewhere to start a pension, to start saving into an ISA, every every little helps, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. uh, Maybe one less takeaway a week could, you know, make such a difference in the in the long run. You know, so one less takeaway coffee a a month, more more accurate probably. (laughs) (laughs) As I said that, Lucy eats a lot of pizza. It is. It starts small and build it up as your as your money goes up. So yeah. um, there's lots of options for for people to start saving, and it's a, it's a great way to have that that pot of money behind you. Um, and and once you start saving, for you say a takeaway a month, fifty pounds a month, for example, you don't miss it. You get used to saving it over mm. time, and, um, and obviously it's a great way to 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 save for things. And um, in future, you could be using it for a special birthday and think, okay, um, I, I don't know, I'm. I'm you could say I'm 40 in five years, I'll, I'll invest for the next five years and then I've got some money to maybe go to Vegas or something. Yeah. So you've got that options that, that investment So little goals do. throughout your life. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Right, we all need to start thinking about what our next little savings pot is to go towards. No, that is really, really helpful, Darren. Sure. Thank you so much for joining us today. No Darren's problem. details will be available um, at the end of the podcast. So Darren's contact details will be available for you. So if you have any questions, queries, would like to book in your free consultation, then his details will be available at the end. So Brilliant. thank, thank you, you so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers. One Roof Financial LLP is an appointed representative of Primus Mortgage Network, a trading name of First Complete Limited, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage. We usually charge a fee for mortgage advice. The amount of the fee will depend upon your circumstances and will be discussed and agreed with you at the earliest opportunity.